A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Well, we are one day away from the first game of the 2018 NRL season and all that hard work, months of research, it's all uh, set to come to fruition now with the first lockout tomorrow. So, huge show and what better to get the uh, the gang back uh, together and on the other line I've got Joe Surgebuster, uh, the all-conquering team's analysis guru now and... Uh, <laughs> and, and uh, Nick, who I'm not really sure what you do these days. Mate, I do a lot of stuff in the background. I'm sitting in the background, you know, just bloody posting ads on the website and all sorts of stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's about it. Mate, yeah, mate, you're, you're the glue that keeps us together, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty but much. Just one-liners, the, zingers. You're the definition of a floater. <laughs> no, glue guy. I'm a glue guy. Every team needs glue a glue guy. guy. That's me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, mate. That's you, mate. <laughs> um, well, yeah, nice welcomes. Uh, so this is the uh, the first pod that we've probably uh, done together for over twelve months. So exciting! Yeah, I, I, you know, you talked before about how exciting it is. We've been planning for months, and I, I'm not sure whether the months of planning makes the panic worse or better. Because judging by you know the way you and I and Nick have been going back and forth thousands of messages in the last 24 hours i think we're all panicking in some way aren't we yeah delete team mate i'm not even playing this year it's too stressful already imagine when round one starts and um yeah no forget it just stick with the preseason. multiple draft teams don't have to actually worry about the pressure of locking in that round one side um yeah it's doing my head in a little bit and teamless tuesday certainly didn't help um what about yourself nick are you just cool calm cruising into round one or uh, are there a few things going on in your head? No, mate, just cruising along. I've had my team. I think I think last night I took about two minutes and made three swaps and I was done. Yeah, I mean, that probably explains your pitiful performances over the last couple of seasons. <laughs> no, I just set and forget. Set. I just lock in, mate, change a couple of rooks, change one mid-pricer and then I'd had to work till midnight. But aside from that, it was a good all Mate, sorted. You working till midnight? I thought it's a five pm. Uh, you know, no more. Let's go on. Uh, no more, mate. No more. They were the good old days, weren't they? <laughs> Glory days. All right. So with lockout tomorrow, well, the first one initially, and then um, we jump straight into more of the heavier one on Friday, and then rolling throughout the weekend. Um, we thought t- tonight we'll you know have a bit of an intro preview to um, the first lockout, and we'll actually reveal our sides. Well. 
I mean, caveat there that, that mine's changed about 10 times since uh, the one we're going to discuss today, but the core cogs um, are there, and I think the you boys are pretty, pretty much in the same boat. Um, and then we're basically going to, um, you know, critique each other's side, and, and there'll also be a post that'll go up that'll be adjoining to this podcast, so a bit of fun, a bit of banter. Um, and then we'll also just jump into a bit of the news, uh, looking at how the teams are shaping up, what are the, who are the big winners, who are the big losers, and... You know, we do have the man at the moment here, um, Serge Buster, and I believe that your team's analysis, mate, has, has cracked, I think, almost 37,000 views, so that's pretty pretty phenomenal. Well, mate, I think we can all admit that it's not down to me, it's down to one John Pallavi, um, yeah. so I'd like to shout out to, to him and his wonderful short-lived career for the Warriors. Um, yeah, gave us, a, gave us a, bit of, a bit of a boost with the old Pallavi uh, scale. Mate, that has been an absolute winner. People are loving that. And, and we'll definitely try to uh, to use that throughout this podcast as well um, because it is a pretty um, – well, I think it's the defining um, ranking for, for rookies. I don't think anyone ever has come up with anything like that. So from this day on, um, you know, the quality of a rookie will be judged by the Pallavi scale. So uh, set forth, move on. Uh, and with that, so we, should we jump straight into the news? This is the news. Okay, so Teamless Tuesday yesterday, and as we just uh, you know mentioned before, Joe has taken over um, writing the team's analysis this year. So I'm going to get you to a fair bit of uh, speaking in the next you know ten minutes or so. We don't need to jump into too much detail because you've already outlined a lot in your um, uh, your article yesterday. But maybe let's just start stepping through the winners. So. Um, no surprises that the list of players that we have here are, are all uh, rookies, except for one a mid-price um, player. But, um, Joe, do you want to just uh, talk us through some of the key winners of the day? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a bit of a crapshoot with a lot of mediocre cheapies being named. But I think, uh, you know, some of the outstanding ones, uh, Valami Kikau getting named on the to start on the edge for the Panthers. I know Harawira Naira is, uh, you know, working his way slowly back um, from off-season off surgery, but it looks like Kikau is going to get some decent minutes um, in the first few weeks and, and start to make a fair bit of cash. I think he's in all our sides. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, in my mate. Yeah, good stuff. Um, Asako uh, on the wing is going to stay as long as Jack Bird uh, is tucking into that bucket of KFC, which by the looks of him, that's what he's been doing all off-season. Um, round four, round five uh, at the earliest for, for Jack Bird, so Asako looks to have a pretty clear run until then for the Bronx. Um, Sylvia Havili, I've gone off him and a lot of coaches have just given what's gone on uh, with Damien Cook uh, and no bench hooker for Souths, but he's an obvious winner regardless, just given that he's that base price and, uh, you know, he's looking for 50 to 60 minutes for the Raiders. Um, you've got TKO, uh, Takiaho down here, Josh, in the run sheet, mate. Um, walk us through why you think he's a winner. Well, I just think that he's, he's a winner for the fact that he's been named in the starting side. I mean, he's been a bit part player for the Roosters in the past couple of seasons. You don't know where he's going to be lining up, generally rotating off the bench. But, you know, if you look at the uh, the Roosters bench, there there is Napa there, who's an origin uh, prop. And, and the fact that Takeo has, has beaten him to that spot, you know, says a lot about, I think, where they, they consider him and the depth. So... Um, and also, I guess that means that he's going to be kicking goals for at least 50 minutes of the game, which is which is a positive. So 
I certainly, you know, a couple of weeks ago would have thought that the starting front row uh, would have been Wiria Hargraves and Dylan Upper for sure. Um, wouldn't have expected uh, Takeo to be in there. Yeah, I think the goal kicking is interesting. Obviously, he's not a sharpshooter by any means, but it's going to boost his, uh, you know, you would imagine his average by about six points. He is a winner. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that Knapp is the one that made way on the bench, uh, given that he's proven he can play big minutes and is a young up-and-coming origin player. Uh, and Waria Hargraves there you know, gets a start over him. So, yeah, I don't know what to think about TKO. He's awkwardly priced, um, but his ownership has risen uh, off the back of TLT. So um, I guess you've got to call him a winner from those respects. Um, Mark Nichols is another obvious one. I did uh, rate him as a uh, two-Palavi chibi, um, and that's just given that, um, you know, Seabold, new coach at, South, so there's always a bit of roster fluctuation in the opening weeks when a new coach takes over. But he was reasonably impressive in the trials, but not a lot of super coach output. He, he's kind of a slow and steady type. Um, but I would suggest that he should be in most teams with Tavita Totola, um, almost the definition of a three Pallavi player, just uh, coming from the clouds to to probably get ten minutes off the bench for a few weeks. Um, Totola doesn't interest you guys, does he? Uh, no, not for me. I'm assuming that Nick is. Uh, well, actually, he's probably you know one of the the players he'd likely pick up. Yeah, look, I've got I've got him starting at prop in my side. I think he's just set for a really big season. <laughs> hey, Joe, on the Pallavi scale, yeah. where where would you put Nick? Um, well, I was just thinking as a glue guy, mate, you must have been a horse in a previous life because you've gone <laughs> to the glue factory. Um, this is, to, yeah, Totola shouldn't be in anyone's side, uh, as tempting as that uh, 160k price is. Tell you who has tempted me, though, um, and I think he's starting to round into a few people's side, is Tanganoa from, from Manly, uh, or the block of units, uh, apparently his nickname is. He's obviously was highly rated at the Cowboys, but had a bit of an attitude issue. And, and was at the Eels temporarily, but is it Manly? And he seems to be the only middle forward on the bench, even though, you know, Frank Winterstein, I'm sure they can roll him in the middle for a few minutes as well. Um, with Vanua Blake there not being a high-minute uh, player, um, I think Tanganoa almost – he feels like he's good for uh, around 40 minutes by my scale. I'd have, I might be way off, but he's, he's a lock in my side as, as one of my cheapies. Um he interests you guys? Nick? Hell no. You've lost the plot, mate. Mate, you, firstly, you'll have to get him away from Sangster, who I think is going to have him locked up in a, the basement at his house. He loves him that much. But, mate, good, good uh, no taste. way. Good taste, Tommy. <laughs> no way. Mate, he's out of that side in a couple of weeks, I reckon. He's, he's played on and off for the last three or four years, done nothing, going nowhere. Well, he's, the, worse. he's at he four com- Pallavi. Four Pallavi. <laughs> Four Pallavi. He was a, he was he was the baby Tamalolo at the Cowboys and and yeah, and he, that's what they hyped him up to be. Yeah, exactly. They hyped him up to be that, but he didn't perform. I just well, um, I think he, yeah. I was going to say that I agree with what you've said, Nick. I also agree with what Joe said, though, and and that's the issue is there's there's a complete lack of depth of good cheapies this year, and you know beggars can't be choosers, really, unfortunately. So. Um, you, you, you know, you, do you run with him or do you run with Aleilua, um, who's also on the bench? I mean, we need to uh, to find these cheapies and we need to lock them in and, and hopefully take some risks and one or two of them um, will come off. But 
Um, yeah, I've got him in my side purely because I just I need cheapies and I refuse to go the mid mid range option. Yeah, yeah no, fair so, enough. They all they've all got warts. So Joe, who do you who do you have ahead out of Tanganoa and Leilua? Oh, definitely Tanganoa. Leilua's an edge player. Um, you know, Sims can play eighty minutes and uh, and Frizz is, is a red. Yeah, he can play eighty and. Uh, and and he has he has before, um, and Frizzell, you know, usually is good for sixty plus. So I, I don't think Leilu is going to get the minutes to to make him, you know, even above base price. He could be averaging fifteen off the bench. So um, I tell you who I absolutely won't be having is that uh, that's Liggy Sow. I think about five years ago, I Tarek him Sims one. average minutes per game last two seasons fifty two and sixty one. Oh yeah, but he's he's rotating off the bench and and wait 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 stop stop the press stop the press yeah did Nick just fact check? Well, he tried to. I I was trying to say historically when he was at the Cowboys playing edge, he, he played eighty minutes quite regularly as well. So when he's um when he's playing middle, obviously he's not eighty minutes. But um you know I'm happy to stand corrected um with old fake news here. I'll stake. I'll stake bet you that um, Leilua averages more than Tanganoa through the first four weeks. Um, yeah, I think we've booked in cha cha cha, haven't we, Josh? Um, for Nick shouting us with a few of these stake bets, I'm yep. happy to take that. I'm still waiting for him to pay up on last year, mate. So um, maybe we might, might need to start at the Caxton on a Tuesday night, two dollars stake <laughs> to get him to get him there. <laughs> Mate, any, All right, any, deal. I think Trent Copeland's forgotten the fact that you owe him one as well, mate. He's uh, <laughs> ne- next time he's up up in Brisbane after a Shield game. I'm sure he's going to tap on the Kirk Up uh, family uh, front door and ask for his stake. <laughs> so, the, what about the, uh, the, the the next one's kind of uh, dividing opinion, and in between us, um, Robbie Rocco. What, we've all got burnt by him in the past, but he has played, you know, fifty to sixty minutes as well. Um, in those years, and I think maybe the expectations were far and above what he could ever deliver. But you know, priced at the mid twenties and starting on the edge for the Tigers, generally, like in an, any other or, or like normal situation, I think that would scream buy me. But who knows what's happening at the Tigers? And then we've also just seen him not deliver in the last two years as well. Yeah, you know, he actually. I was thinking about this today. He he he's like an older. Uh, from last year where he's just that awkward-ish price, although he's a little cheaper, and you just don't know what the ceiling is. You're just hitting and hoping. Um, Matadia, obviously younger with a bit more potential, but ultimately was a massive disappointment last year for people who started uh, with him in round one, like me. Um, I just don't see that with any West Tiger um, has any job security at all. So, you know, it could be Chris McQueen, in that spot next week, and Rocco might, uh, might not even be in the 17. So, find it very hard to, you know, just given what's happened with Mill, no for Luma, Lola here was in, then he was out, uh, Thompson fullback wing, all the different lineup changes, picking a Tiger from round one because I just want to see the side settled first. Um, you don't have any Tigers, do you, Nick? Uh, no, I don't think I have any Tigers. In my side at all. No, not one. Very nice. We kind of glossed over Liggy Sow a bit. Um, I was just saying that about five years ago, I owned him when he was at Manly as a cheapie. And um, 
I think he scored me seven points in one game, and I'm not sure that he's played first grade since. So I know he's got the 13 jersey, the um, let's call it the Pallavi jersey uh, for the Warriors, and that scares the hell out of me because whether it's Ben Henry, Isaiah Papali, um, Carlos Tumavave, uh, you know, all the star, the Warriors, have just an awful round one GB record. So, um, Josh, he's in your latest version, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Which version, mate? I think I'm going through about 30 <laughs> today. So, um, no, I, I don't know enough about him. I don't know enough about the Warriors. And um, he was a surprise inclusion. I mean, the, the injury to Mannering wasn't known. He could be out for any period of time as well. It's unusual that, um, you know, that was kept pretty quiet. So, I don't know, but you, you made a comment today as well that Parsi is expected back um, either next week or the week after. And, and could that see um, Sao just drop straight out of the 17? Yeah, every chance of that as well. So, you know, Parsi obviously was headhunted from the Titans and, and he had periods where he did really well for the Titans, although he was inconsistent. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say his pedigree is, is clearly better than Sao. So I'd, I'd have him... Um, you know, ahead of him in the pecking order as well. So there's a good chance uh, that if you start with Sal, he, he might not even make it to, to week three to get that first price rise. Yeah, okay. All right, so that's – unless there's any more good uh, or, you know, positives coming out of the uh, the, tri- the teams that we need to discuss, you can move straight on to the bad. And I guess the, um, the, the first two that we've got listed here is Simon Mannering and David Nofaluma. So – um, two guns, um, you know, two pods as well. So I think that probably, if anything, is good because it, it makes some really difficult, um, you know, decisions very easy. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, manners, obviously, it's unfortunate. No Faluma, I, I think it peeled back the curtain on, on exactly what kind of job Ivan Cleary's got there in terms of culture change. Um, you know, at the Tigers, they're dropping... What's effectively his best player, I think, um, you know, to reserve grade at least for the week. Um, I mean, it's it also speaks to how bad centre wing is as well. Is that um, you know, even though he was one of the premium options playing for a terrible side, um, you know, pe- people don't seem to be kind of screaming, uh, you know, what to do with no Faluma uh, kind of other options because there isn't a lot. At that uh, at that premium range, um, Matt. I know you're a Warriors fan, Nick. Do you think that uh, you know he'll come back all right? Yeah, he should be right. Yeah, I mean, I had him in my team early on in the preseason. Um, obviously dropped him, you know, about a week ago once this sort of news came out. But he shouldn't be out for too long. I don't think I'd say you know he might play round two or round three. So obviously makes Liggy Sow and uh, Papali um, big risks there for the Warriors, but. Mannering hopefully has a bit of a slow start. You know, round seven or eight, he's dropped 50 to 100K, and then we can all snap him up. Yeah, um, and obviously we spoke about Luciani, Leilua, uh, Josh. You, I guess when I was talking about the merits of him v Tanganoa, do you have an opinion on that? Uh, no, I've got both of them in my side. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just going to hopefully one of them, you know, becomes okay and earns some money. And, um, yeah, I just... I'm just really trying to go a, a rookie-heavy strategy this year. Just to, you know, mid-price players have not proven to be correct for me, at least in the past few years. So I'm going to be avoiding them as much as possible. And then just, you know, hopefully these rookies can play, you know, a dozen or so games and then, um, you know, we get some money out of them. Yeah, and I, 
I know as much as, you know, the three of us will be ragging on each other for our selections. It's the rookies, as you said before, it's a dart throw. I was trying to count up the uh, the breakdown of the one Pallavis, three Pallavis, two Pallavis in my team's analysis. And, and by far the majority were two Pallavis, which I guess are uh, defining as risky, um, you know, with minimal job security, possible low minutes or, or just not worth the price if they're above the base. So um, it's probably not a bad option just having as many tickets to the lottery as you can uh, on your bench and, so, you know, knowing that some of them are going to bust and uh, you're going to have to trade them out. Speaking about a bust, mate, and a mid-price example, Cameron Murray, who was in everybody's team probably about a month ago, he finds his way onto the bench at number 14 for the Rabbitohs. And, um, you know, there's some rumours swirling around that he'll either come on to replace uh, Cook at, at Hooker or spend some time at Lock, who knows. But um, he, for me, is definitely a stay away, particularly the price of close to 400000 um, people were talking, there was about four different people uh, speculated to be the backup hooker or the bench hooker uh, for South, and I'm pretty sure absolutely no one had Cameron Murray <laughs> rotating, uh, you know, replacing Damien Cook. I'm not sure what that means for minutes, and it actually makes me a little bit worried about what happens with Sam Burgess. Does, uh, does he go to the edge um, when Murray comes on? Because I know that he was that was kind of used as a bit of a pseudo-rest mechanism, um, you know, by Maguire last year to to have Sergis run out uh, wide and kind of his work rate plummeted a bit. So it scared me a bit off uh, Sam Burgess, ironically, um, more than it has Cameron Murray. Yeah, it's fair enough. Um, okay, so then c- continuing on, so we can get on to the main part of the, the podcast, but Tane Milne, um, who also is extremely popular, he we can't really go near him at the moment. Um, you know, looks beyond the outer at the Tigers. And um, the next guy who is just floating around the, the edges at um, the Dragons probably needs uh, some injuries in the back line to get in, Zach Lomax. So he starts, I think, um, almost 30,000 less than Milne. So um, I, don't, I can't recall a year yet that I've had a non-playing reserve in my side, but given the lack of depth in uh, rookies this year, I'm seriously considering doing with that with Lomax. What about yourself, Nick? Are you sticking to they must be picked in round one you know, strategy or do you have some leeway for a couple of these guys that might play in a few weeks but aren't selected now? Yeah, I think for mine it's just that last uh, center wing rookie position, that seventh spot that's a bit difficult to fill. So I've got Lomax at the moment. Um, so, look, I'll probably sit with him. Uh, Milne, you'd like Joe said at the start, who knows what's happening at the Tigers. Uh, and then the boys on Sanks' pod made a great point today, actually, um, with regards to the captain loophole. Uh, and the point was that the Eels um, play in the final three games of the week, uh, each of the first nine rounds. So another option, if you're not too concerned about that last position, is um, Lulu Siao or something like that. The, he's available at centre wing for para. Um, he's injured at the moment, uh, according to the boys. He should be back in a couple of weeks. He's a potential uh, to play later in the year, and he could really open up that vice-captain loophole for you um, for the first couple of months, at least, of the season. So I'm not too worried about throwing away that last centre wing position as long as it's someone who has the potential at least to play at some stage. Yeah, what are your thoughts it- on that, Joe? Yeah, and interesting, it, it speaks to really the philosophy for Supercoach this year. I think that the the kind of elimination of 
the buy planning as, as a major factor for Supercoach is going to mean um, some strategic changes. And I take your point, Nick, as that being viable. But I tend to come down on the side of um, cash generation is absolutely going to be king even more than it is um, in other years because people aren't kind of looking at only picking players from certain teams because of buy coverage. So they'll just pick the best players in each position uh certainly from a cash point of view. So I think that from my perspective, you need to have 25 players because I don't think any of these guys we're talking about uh, are a Kalen Ponga quality, whether it's Lomax or or the amazing name that I'd love to hear you try and pronounce again, that bloke from the Yields. Um, <laughs> and, you know, these guys could, you know, Lomax is at least two injuries away. Um, God knows how many... Uh, injuries might need to happen for the Eels guy to get a run. Um, it could be round 15 or it could not be at all. It could be another Brad Abbey situation from two years ago where, you know, with the Bulldogs, he was absolutely you know, nailed on to come in, uh, you know, round two, round three, round four, and he never got a run the whole year. So um, I just think that's too valuable, even though he will be a 25th player, um, you know, that 100K or, or whatever you could have banked there, um, you know, might be the difference between a gun or not later on yeah no i agree um, so i think we've done teams um to death um both on the sides and and just then so we might leave it there and and um just take a quick ad break and then we'll jump straight into our team reviews and you know that's going to be a bit of fun so um we'll be right back ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Okay, so it's the uh, the moment that um, I think we've been waiting for. Not sure about everybody else there, but the time which we can reveal, you know, some kind of resemblance to what our side might look like come lockout tomorrow. And um, the first off the cab, first cab off the rank is is uh, going to be Nick. But before we do that, just outline as to how we're going to run through that bit of fun, bit of banter as well. But um, you know, jumping through each other's teams, whoever's team it is, we'll just briefly talk about their overall strategy and how they've approached team selection this year. And then also they'll just name a couple of players that uh, fit into the following following categories. So the first one is the Steve Smith. So that's the first pick player in the side. The next one is the blind date. The blind date is the one that's, you know, risk reward. You don't know what you're going to get. It could be the best night of your life. It could be the worst. The second one is captain hindsight. So that's that one player that you know or, you know, that you've been tracking and you don't pick them and then they come out and smash it for the first month. And then you're just thinking, I really should have picked that player. And we'll just run through that. And then what we'll do is each of us will just critique um, each other's side. As we said, a bit of fun. 
Um, and uh, should we just get straight into it then with Nick? And how about you just jump in, mate? What was your overall strategy with your your well, currently what what is the making up of your side? Just win, baby. That's it. That's, <laughs> that, that's, that's it. the depth. That's the depth of your strategy, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The glue guy. <laughs> <laughs> My strategy is, um, yeah, no guns and rookies. The usual, really, to be honest. Like you said earlier, I'm not too keen on too many mid prices. It's a little bit hard to um, differentiate exactly what is a mid pricer this year. Um, but I've only got, you know, I've got a couple of players in the four hundred thousands. I've only actually got three players um, in the 400,000s and I've got no one in the 300,000s. So I'm trying to go 500 plus or uh, 300 or under. Oh, sorry, I do have Damien Cook. He's my one uh, 378K player there. But yeah, guns and rookies, the usual, nothing too, um, nothing too groundbreaking there. Uh, so my Ross Taylor award for first picked uh, is... Is uh, it would it's Cameron Smith and the two turbos. So I've cheated a little bit here and taken three, but Smithy's a no-brainer, and I think the turbos are in for a huge year. Jake to do some more uh, ball playing this year, and Tom to just continue on where he left off last year. So I think those three will be in the top five players this year. So Nick, um, just so before I'm, you I'm move on, um, you're just saying Jake Trevojevic, and you know, obviously he's. He he's look, been looking the goods in the preseason, but why would you select him over Paul Gallen? Not saying it's the wrong decision, but just to keen, keen to get your take on it, um, particularly because they're so close in value. Um, I think uh, for mine, I just maybe Travoyevich will play more minutes. Um, look, yeah, Gallen's PPM's probably better. Um, I don't know. I just think Travoyevich might have a little bit of upside, maybe. You know, maybe he can increase his average by three or four points. And maybe Gallon is more likely to replicate what he did last year, or maybe drop one or two points coming towards the end of his career. That's that may be correct, that may be incorrect. Who knows? But that's what I'm thinking. Okay. And your blind date? Jared Hayne, unfortunately. I'm sticking <laughs> with him. I know Sangster's gone soft and, and jumped off, but he's only priced at a forty seven average. So Surely he can average at least 55 to 60. Um, if he gives, you know, gives half a shit, basically, he will he will increase in price. So I'm sticking with him. Uh, Captain Hindsight has to be Kalen Ponga. Um, I think he could potentially be Tedesco, but just 180K cheaper. Um, I'm going to stick with the Teddy Turbo combo. Uh, but, yeah, Ponga would be the one who I think... I just wish he was available at center wing. If he was available center wing, he'd be one of my first picked, but can't fit him in, unfortunately. All right. And so how about you just run through your team as it stands, um, or some of the key players anyway inside? Because we're going to, all of us are going to have pretty much similar rookies. Um, maybe if you just jump through, you know, come a few of those point of difference players or the guns that you've currently got in your lineup. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like you say, I've got all the usual rookies. I've gone the Smithy Cook combo at hooker. I've got Fafida starting in the front row. I know that he starts a bit slow, but um, I just like him. Like like having him on my side. Happy to keep him in there for the whole season. Uh, Trebojevic, Nathan Brown, Merrin starting back row. Uh, Mitch Moses in at 5'8". He's probably getting more popular by the day, so it's not really a pod selection anymore. Same can be said for Latrell Mitchell, I think. 
who's in my centre wing alongside Hayne um, and the usual suspects. And, yeah, and like I said, Trebojevic and Teddy uh, at the back. So I think it's a pretty – there's not a lot of pods in there, to be honest, but I'm just hoping to get off to a half-decent start and then – Maybe I can make a move with some smarter trading throughout the year, but you know it's difficult. It's difficult um, these days with all the coverage out there with Supercoach. It's hard to choose someone who's a little bit different because before you know it, every man and his dogs on him. So I think there's been a bit of work done in the um, the off season, Nick, about trying to uh, you know improve your personal brand. Uh, you know, rumor has it that um, uh, that there's even been a, a, a a change to the team name as well. You know, just the uh, the old party liaisons have didn't really perform too well in 2016, 2017. It appears there's been some new ownership come through, clearing out all the deadwood and, and reverting back to Nick's boys. Are the rumours true? Yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. Started as Nick's boys back in the day when we first started playing, which must have been, I think it was 07 or 08. Uh, ran with Nick's boys for a few years, you know, never did any any good. Changed to part of the liaisons, never did any good, and I've gone back to Nick's boys. <laughs> I've, I've always, yeah, it's it was that you know, party liaisons is the kind of name that you pick for the year that movie came out, and then you pick something else the next year. But I, I was kind of admiring the fact that you were sticking with it, mate. Yeah, I know. Nah, it was a good, good movie, great movie. But back to Nick's boys, and we'll we'll see how we go. Hey Joe, I've got Joe, I've got three names for you, and I want you to let me know what you think about them. Um, Mitch Barnett, two thousand seventeen variety. Matt Pryor and, oh, Isaac, like... and Isaac Luke. Yeah, so I mean Matt Pryor, mate. I just it like when you say the name Matt Pryor, I've probably watched Matt Pryor play. 100 first grade games, but as soon as you say the name Matt Pryor, Nick's face comes to mind <laughs> because, you know, he was just die- – Nick was going to die in the ditch with Matt Pryor to start with, and I found that absolutely bloody hilarious because, you know, that turned out about as well as you'd expect. Um, what were the other ones, mate? Cause, well, Isaac, uh, Isaac Luke over Cameron Smith. That's right, yeah. Well, Luke went nowhere, didn't he? Um Flattered to deceive. He's picked. He's, he's got a few of us over the years, but I know the year that Nick was dead set on Luke as uh, as being bigger than Cameron Smith. He probably finished about twenty five points in arrears, uh, you know, of what CS Nine did. So yeah, not working out for for Nick. Whether he's the party liaisons or Nick's boys. And you know, um, uh, I, I was just thinking about this today when I was having a look at some stats. But you know that that Nick and Jared Hayne have something in common. Do you know what that is, Joe? What's I have no idea. Tell me. So they were both both relevant for Supercoach in 2014. Is that the one year Nick beat you, mate? Because I think it's only been, it's one out of nine or one out of ten, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, 2016. 2016 <laughs> was my best year. I finished just outside the top thousand, but I peaked at 57. I was in the top hundred for five weeks in a row. Wow. wow, that's that's mm. Nick's second fact check of the night. Actually, you um, final one. Those stats are strikingly um, familiar to Jesse Bromwich. You haven't really done anything since round sixteen in two thousand and sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Jesse Bromwich. I'm glad to see Joe finally um, come to his senses and doesn't have him in his side as well, which is good to see. Well, before oh, we uh, see, yeah. Before we get to Joe's... That's what you call a tease, boys. That's what you call a tease. <laughs> or even a segue. But before we do that, maybe if we can just 
Um, Joe, um, how about you just uh, provide a little bit of critique about Nick's side? What do you like about it? What do you think that he can do better over the next uh, 24 hours? Well, I mean, you know, I think we've we've had a bit of group think. You know, I referenced the fact that we've probably had, a, you know, it feels like a couple of thousand uh, messages back and forth over the last couple of days. So, you know, we've all kind of settled on similar-ish rookies and, uh, you know, you, I think, Josh, your team is a bit of a hybrid between Nick's and mine, but uh, I am not a fan of a few of them. Leilua, for obvious reasons, we talked about earlier. Um, Lomax, you know, I mentioned he's, you know, at least two injuries away from the Dragons. You know, they like Kurt Mann enough to put him in the 17 there, so I just I can't see Lomax, um, you know, getting a run early, and there's obviously that risk he, he doesn't run it at all. And I just think... You know, for for mine, the the Tommy Turbo Tedesco dual fullback thing, uh, obviously it maximises your points, but uh, I think Kalen Ponga will be the uh, you know the guy that Nick regrets, as he said before, um, because I think Ponga will get close enough to Turbo anyway, um, and make you know so much extra money that you know he could be a bit short in team value in the end. So they'd be my bigger ones. I mean, I'm not going to pick too much on Hayne because I think, you know, Hayne's a bit of a joke at this point. I just, I can't even see. He may not even make any money at all. So, you know, complete, completely mediocre for 420 and uh, not a big Latrell Mitchell fan either. I don't know what you think about him, uh, Josh. Yeah, no, I think it's been pretty clear throughout anything that I've written this season that I'm not a fan of Latrell Mitchell well, in his last trial match, I think he produced four runs and seven tackles. Um, and then he had all those attacking stats to, to beef him up there. So I'm more than happy to see him inside such as Nick's and then not in mine. Um, that's, I'm quite happy with that. I mean, the rest of the side um, looks, you know, I can't, uh, can't critique too much of it. Um, and it's good to see some differing opinions. I mean, I, I kind of agree to an extent to what you're saying with Hayne, but I legitimately think the, the Eels are going to be a really good side this year. So um, Hayne could be one of the key benefactors there and, and who knows what it does, you know, being back at the Eels. It's, it is a real flip of the coin decision for me. Uh, I'm more than happy to go the Travojevic-Tedesco combination. Um, that's just another trade I don't have to make and hopefully some banking those early points as well. Um, you know, for Feeter, I, I really like that selection. And, and I know in the team reveal that we're going to talk through on mine, I do have Burgess in there. But um, for Feeter, has creeped into, back into my side after I have looked at some stats. So I think last year he only scored one try compared to eight in the eight combined in the two years before that. So plenty of upside for him. And if you look at where he's priced, he's, he's priced around about a Nathan Brown as well, which I, um, you know, compared to what else is floating around in the front row, there's nothing there. So. You know, on the scammy things, I think you've done pretty well there, Nick. Thank you very much. No worries. Nick's boys are back. I <laughs> uh, wouldn't go that far, mate. Wouldn't go that far. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, how about we move on to your side, mate? Take it away. Yeah, so, uh, look, uh, I talked a bit about, uh, you know, the overall strategy before that I do think it's very much about cash generation. You know, I think as long as you're within you know, shouting distance, uh, you know, the lead kind of at the turn, which is, you know, at the end of the origin period, um, you know, you're in with a shot. And I think you, you can sacrifice a few early points here and there uh, in the in the interest of cash generation. 
Hamilton. And and I know it's pro rata, but up to 9.4 million for the salary cap means that, you know, the people, the guys that are priced cheaper um, do make a lot more money. And I understand it's all relative, but when you start kind of trying to find, you know, 100 bucks here, 200 bucks there to afford those, you know, little extra guys, um, you know, the fact that the, the salary cap's blown out a bit will make that a bit easier. And yeah, I, you know, it's the reason why I've gone Ponga over Tommy Turbo because he's, you know, more than 200 grand cheaper. And I think he can make most of that 200 grand up, whereas, you know, Trebojevic's value has nowhere to go. You know, he, he might maintain that average and he might be the highest scorer in Supercoach, but the, your team value is not going up. So um, just given the uncertainty with the rookies, um, you know, it's a dart throw. Some will hit, some, some will miss. If you miss on more, you know, rookies than you hit, well, then how the hell are you going to make enough money to, to be competitive, you know, down the home stretch? So definitely my overall strategy is to is to make sure you've got, you know, lots of money in the bank and you've got an eye on that. My Steve Smith, uh, you know, was my first pick. Obviously, Cam Smith uh, was locked in there. But um, apart from him, I'll say Teddy. You know, I think it's pretty frightening what he might be able to do, you know, with better support at the Roosters and, you know, we all complained about uh, how unlucky he was last year at the Tigers with, you know, a ridiculous amount of disallowed tries and, you know, uh, try assists and things like that. So, you know, he could have averaged easily kind of eight to ten points more a game, you know, if a lot of that was factored in. So uh, add, add to the fact that at the Roosters, I think he he's my tip to, to finish as the top super coach player for the year. The, uh, the blind date, um, you know, got a few... T- two Pallavis in the team, but I don't think you can, you know, really count them. So I reckon my riskiest pick's probably JT. Um, you know, if he wasn't at the hefty discount that he is, I would absolutely not consider him uh, for my team. He, he'd be miles away. Um, and I guess the reason for that is is that, you know, you see it with all kind of ageing champions, that, um, you know, they as they get older, they don't dominate every minute of the game. They pick their spots, um, you know, and conserve their energy. And I think that's probably good news for the Cowboys. Uh, but a game-winning, um, you know, try assist or a game-winning field goal sco- is, you know, scores exactly the same amount of points as doing it in the first minute or the tenth minute or the thirtieth minute. So, you know, Super Coach is a volume game, and the fact that he's going to defer to Michael Morgan a hell of a lot more, um, you know, deliberately means that that's going to impact his price. So, yes, um, if you didn't have that hefty discount because of the injury, I, I wouldn't have JT around. And Captain Hindsight probably have to be Tommy Turbo. So, you know, if he goes up another gear, then good luck to owners. But also, you know, we mentioned Jesse Bromwich before. I think he can uh, – he will bounce back. And for money reasons, I've gone Matt Scott over Jesse Bromwich. But, um, you know, I would definitely have regrets if, uh, if Jay Brom got off to a fly. It is quite interesting about Matt Scott. Um, he is undervalued, but, um, you know, I know that you've been harping on the, um, you know, Mansour being okay because it, you know, takes a while for a player to recover from an ACL. Um, do you think that Scott's going to be good to go from round one or will he take a while to warm up? Yeah, that's a very valid point. But I think the fact that he was he was fully fit, um, you know, in the Cowboys you know, run to the grand final and Paul Green chose not to pick him because he wanted to stay, you know, fat with the uh, with the side that got to the grand final. Um, you know, the fact that he was he was medically cleared, he was ready to go, which means he's had that full off season. It's not like he's, 
you know, doing rehab, you know, in December and January in the lead up to the trials, um, he's been full bore. So um, it's a bit different when you're mansore and, you know, what you want you need to, to do, um, you know, on the wing. Uh, I don't think Matt Scott even, you know, needs much of, uh, you know, much many ligaments in his knees to do what he does, you know, just, just cut the ball forward. So traditionally he's a 50 average player he's priced at just under 40 so you know even if it's only an eight point rise that's going to be enough for me because that's the cash i need to upgrade yeah fair enough okay and then you've you've gone very heavy in the second row um you've got gallon dravojevic and merrin there um you know that's 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 pretty heavy a lot of cash has been spent but i guess with the money you're saving at fullback that that allows you to do it yeah, that's exactly right. I think Marin's a really great value pick. Um, you know, I, I know I've, I've criticised both in the team's analysis and elsewhere the kind of media narrative around Latrell Mitchell dropping some weight, taking it seriously, he finally gets it. I, I tend to laugh at that a little bit, but I do actually believe it when it comes to Marin. Um, you know, he's always carried a bit of extra weight. He, he's looking fighting fit. I think uh, there was reports that he actually ab muscles now um, instead of the beer belly. And, yeah, 5'18", I think he's good value um, given that the Panthers bench is, is much more inexperienced this year than in previous. Um, Jake Trebojevic, the only worry is that I don't want him turning into James Graham, you know, doing that passing before the line, trying to be a creative force. I think, you know, he's still good for his 650K and obviously Gallon there. So I, I think second row is stacked. I think uh, front row four um, have better cheapies and, and I'm not a big fan of it um, as really the only premium done in, in the front row uh, apart from Burgess. So that's what I'm really trying to, to get my points and, and I'll get my, my value else, you know, my value and my cash generation elsewhere. Yeah, right. And, and I think, um, you know, when I look at your side, I guess the, the main critique that I have is probably just the, the amounts of mid prices in, in your, your center wing. So you've got Croker. Far too many. Yeah, Far Mans- too many. <laughs> Mansour and uh, BJ Leilua. Look, while I don't disagree with any of them, I think that um, potentially you're spending a bit too much cash there. And just say if you were to downgrade one to someone else, then you could look to upgrade a, a Matt Scott to a legitimate gun. And I think that would strengthen your side because there's still a lot, a lot of plenty of question marks around all three of those players. Yeah, and look, you know, full disclosure, centre wing I think is the worst positional group um, that I've ever seen in my you know many years playing super coach. I I don't actually really like anyone in centre wing at all. So it's it's begrudging that that I've even gone Croker and Mansour and Leilua because they're they're all you know potentially flawed in their own way. Um, but I think once you you get outside of Richie Kenner. Uh, Katoa, you know, they're both one Pallavi, cheapies, Peter um, Hiku the same, and, uh, you know, taking a slight risk on a Sarko there. Um, the, you don't have any other options uh, in cheapies, you know, and I guess that's why, you know, Zach Lomax is, is you know, picked by a lot of people because there just really isn't much in the way of options. So, yeah, I, I have decided to, to invest a bit in the centre wing there, but I think Broker... You know, historically, I think he's valued at 55 average. Um, you know, while that might be almost 20 points less than he was a couple of years ago, it's it, history would suggest he's five to 10 points underpriced. Mansour, five to 10 points underpriced. And, and Joey Leilua at 46. 
for an average. I, I don't expect that he's going to rebound to the 70-point year that he had a couple of years ago, but I do expect, you know, 55-plus, and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll, you know, pocket that uh, 150 to 180 grand quite nicely before I look to, to upgrade to a true gun. Yeah, agree. Nick, what about you, mate? Do you have any um, key, I guess, pointers or suggestions for, for Joe's team, apart from being quite heavy with the mid prices in the centre wing? No, I think just the mid prices and the Matt Scott. Like, mate, what's your plan with Matt Scott? So he's priced at 39. Let's say he averages 50. He's going to go up 96K. So he's going to be like 440. So he's never going to be a keeper. What I suppose the plan is you hope he gets to 440 and then you can upgrade him to Fafita or someone like that. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, Fafita, obviously, the hope is he continues. This is, you know, his slow starts um, kind of there. But by the time, you know, Scott kind of fattens up properly, you know, I've got likes of what now. Hiku, um, I'll probably keep Ponga for a little while longer, um, but I'll be looking to go probably one up, one down uh, to fund that extra bit of money that it'll take to go from Scott to Fafita. Um, it's usually kind of, you know, in in the lead up to, to the origin period that Fafita really gets going and has that potential to start cracking out, you know, consistent tons uh, as he seems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as soon as Fafita you know, gets that look in his eye and maybe goes like large one. So that's, there's a lot of it, and that's all to Cole Matt Scott. Yeah, right. Yep, yep, no, that makes sense. All right, well, are you guys ready for the best team? Oh, is Will, sorry, is Wilfred coming on the pod the now? The pod. <laughs> no, Wilfred's been hey, very... Hey, Wilfred, uh, how's it going, mate? He's yeah, very, good, good. Very secret squirrel with his side. I think we've shared our teams uh, on numerous occasions, uh, but he has been very secretive uh, with his. So we'll see what happens then. And he uh, didn't want to join the podcast today. It's all a bit serious for, for Wolfram, but that's okay. That's all right. We're happy to share our sides and talk amongst friends, but that's all right, Wilfred. It's all right. Anyway, so my overall strategy is to go hard early. Um, I just think without the buyers, you need to try and get a head start and get as many, um, you know, gun players in that have a legitimate, um, you know, a legitimate good start to the season. So that's why I've spent big on Teddy and Turbo, combination of fullback, also Smith and Cook. Um, That is something as well that's, you know, not, um, you know, only hit me this week after Teamless Tuesday, so it's been battling with that. Then also just investing in my centre wing with uh, Jordan Rapana and and Leilua as well, um, with the Raiders having such a soft draw early on, I really want to capitalise on that. So Croker would be ahead of Leilua for me, but just that extra 70k um, could be better spent elsewhere. Um, and uh, and I think that's pretty much it from a um, an overall strategy. And I think you know it, it is just also battling the lack of of cheapies and trying to pick you know what you can with um, lots of two Pallavis and three Pallavis floating around. So. Um, moving on, uh, so my Steve Smith, so as Joe said, Cameron Smith is the first pick, but you know that's too easy. So I'm going to go against you and say Jonathan Thurston. He was definitely my first pick, and he is every single year. Um, at the price, like it's phenomenal, and we're never going to have value like that in him. And I do not believe any of the news that's coming out at the moment. I think that's all smoke and mirrors. 
Um, I reckon he'll be the main man. Cowboys are going to go so close to winning the flag this year. Um, and if they do, JT's not going to be standing in the background and go, here you go, Michael, go and do what you want to do. That's just not the kind of player he is. So I don't believe it at all. JT's going to be the main man, kicking goals, scoring 70s and 100s, boom. You get him for um, you know 536K, which is ridiculous. So he was the first player picked. My blind date, well... This is an interesting one. I mean, any good blind date would end with a BJ, right, guys? Agreed. <laughs> yes, indeed. So uh, my blind date is uh, no other than BJ, BJ Leilua. So I, I've been tempted by him all preseason, and I've just said, bugger it, I'm going to go with him. I've had Tupo in there, but that extra 90000 or 85000 ish um, can be better spent elsewhere covering, you know, particularly covering up for the... The, the fact that I can't start Habili and need to start Cook now. Um, and I really like what's happening at Canberra. I think they've been very quiet this preseason. They didn't they didn't take part in the latest trials. Um, Ricky Stewart's running a very different operation. Um, they've got a different fitness regime happening. Um, BJ's lost weight. I wouldn't be surprised if they get out or come out and start the season with, you know, four out of five wins or five out of six wins. So I'm backing him to do that and then hopefully BJ. I mean, um, I know you've got him, Joe. Is that the the similar kind of thinking that you just hopefully capitalise on their early run and look look to upgrade him before he hits a you know, a bit of bad form? Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of that, but I mean, let's not kind of disguise the the influence that just naked greed can have. Uh, he's he's in a contract year, uh, and you know, given how poor he was last year, he's really got to, you know, pull his finger out this year and, and establish he's a, a premium centre in the comp to, to demand the kind of money that I'm sure he wants. So, um, you know, just given he does have that reputation as having a poor attitude, um, he certainly didn't leave Newcastle on good terms. Um you know, I'm not sure that he'd be seen as that appealing a prospect if he put another mediocre season in, and that can be the difference between, you know, three, 350 grand a year. Um, so it's absolutely in his best interest to, to slim down as he has and, uh, and knuckle down and have the kind of year that he did two years ago. So it's really just the greed aspect that I'm, I'm kind of banking on. Uh, but that being said, I think Canberra does have that soft draw, particularly the Titans in round one. So um, hoping BJ gets back to the keeper uh, zone, but, you know, regardless, I think he's going to make money. So um, if he kind of tops out at a 55 average, then that should get you enough money to, to bridge to a, a true gun. Yeah, and if you and if you, I'm still staggered going back at last year and seeing how well Rapana did, and then you compare it to what, the output of, of uh, BJ was. I mean, considering he's standing just inside him, you'd think that Trisys would be flying everywhere, but um, they weren't. So that really just, you know, shows how good a year Rapana did have. And, you know, if that if that edge is going to be potent this year, which we all hope it is, then, you know, I can see Rapana with then um, Leilua, um, you know, doing well. But there are also lots of question marks at the Raiders this year without Hodgson and, and also their halves look a complete mess as well. But we'll see. Um Captain Hindsight for me. So both of the Roosters' uh, backs are going to be there. So Daniel Tupo and Latrell Mitchell. So Tupo is a guy that I've had in my side the whole year. Um, big fan of his. But just, you know, with the Cook over Havili position, I just can't afford that 506000 sitting in my, sec- uh, my centre wing. 
And then Latrell Mitchell scares the crap out of me for all the reasons that I've said not to pick him. Um, you know, he could really just turn it on and, and come out and for six weeks just be unstoppable. And given how high his ownership is, if you don't have him, it's really going to hurt. So I'm very scared about um, Mitchell and, and hoping that, you know, what I believe is going to happen will happen. So what about what about you guys? And Nick, you've got Mitchell. Um, Joe, you don't. Uh, Nick, are you confident that he's just going to fly out or is it really, you know, are you a bit, you're a bit nervous about the selection? Yeah, no, a bit of a stab in the dark, isn't it? Given his uh, attitude on the field, you know, last couple of years, obviously, you know, gives off that appearance of being a lazy player. So it's really just the backing, the fact that the Roosters should be a strong side this year and hopefully that um, that translates to points for Mitchell. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent confident. No way. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And um, you, you're, you're right, Josh though. Sorry, just to interrupt. Um, you know, Mitchell can absolutely have six big weeks. The problem is those six weeks will happen over 12 weeks, you know, because you'll go 80, 20, 80, 20, 80, 20. I, I just can't see that the consistency is there. And I know modern footy's moved away from, you know, a center being a workhorse. So, you know, base stats, uh, you know, for centers aren't quite proportionately what they were uh, even just a few years ago. Um, but, you know, Mitchell's that ultimate kind of luxury player. If he's firing, he'll go large. But, you know, without those attacking stats, I, I just don't see, you know, him even maintaining his value. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the base stats, I hear what you're saying, but if Tupo is producing 27 to 30 base points per game and then Mitchell's only producing you 17 to 20, which is what he did last year, then, you know, that's just a recipe for for disaster, really. Um, and it's amazing that one's a centre and one's a winger, yet the winger has the higher base. So um, that's what I found it very interesting in terms of their ownership differentials. But, um, yeah, both of those guys, considering what the, the Roosters should be very good and they also do have a, a, you know, a nice early draw as well. So... That's kind of a summary of mine, just to work through who I've got in the side. is Cameron Smith, um, you know, like everyone, Damien Cook. Um, got Sam Burgess in there at the moment in my front row, and the reason why I put him in there initially was due to the, uh, the dual position. I also only think there's really two um, legitimate um, guns in the front row, and, and I, that's between him and, and Fafita. So um, two out of three of us have gone that way with Joe looking to take the cheaper option. Uh, and then I've got Gallon, Merrin, and Brown in the uh, the second row. Listen, I, I hear what you uh, and we'll, when our post comes out, we'll hear Joe's um, you know the way he feels about Brown. But I, I effectively see a, a Paul Gallon there for less than 100k. Um, he had reduced minutes over the first six games of the season last year, and and I think he will play 70 minutes per game this year, and and you know produce Gallon like numbers. Well, that's what I'm banking on anyway. Um, Moses, here's a late addition, and it's just a value. Um, 450k versus Cody Walker's, um, you know, low 500s. It's purely just to get Cook in over here, Vili. Both players, I think, will go close to averaging very similar scores. Um, we've spoken through Rapana and Leilua, and, and then I've got Trevojevic and Tedesco, so um, pretty much stock standard with those two, and, and then have $17,000 of cap. So, boys, what do you think? Nick? Oh, Burgess, mate. That's bad choice. I'm the no, not touching Burgess this year. I've had enough of him. Done with him. I think I mentioned it on the pod uh, earlier in the season that Joe and I did. No Burgess for me. Um, but aside from that, yeah, looks looks pretty good, mate. Looks pretty good. That Rapana just looks so appealing in there. 
He looks so good. To get him, I would need to go Tedesco down to Ponga and I could trade Hayne up to Rapana. That's that's tempting. That might get me at some stage tomorrow, I think. But no, it looks pretty good, mate. Well done. Yeah, Burgess, I think just to you know, to emphasize what you're saying, Nick, he just I know he's only thirty, but he he's he's got that physical game. I mean, he's had the crap beat out of him uh, for the best part of 80 minutes, you know, for 10 years. And I thought last year he, he did actually look off the pace. It wasn't just a down year kind of statistically, you know, as, as far as the eye test went. Uh, he just didn't seem the di- same kind of dynamic player that he was. He wasn't offloading uh, the same way. He You know, people weren't bumping off him uh, when he did hit-ups in the same way. And, and again, you know, you saw a propensity for to give him, you know, 10 minutes here and there uh, on an edge, which is effectively taking a breather. So um, to your point, Josh, I can't, uh, you know, overemphasise how important dual position players will be. So I totally get your point there from a tactical point of view. But, um, yeah, i just really worried that, that Burgess has kind of got so many miles on his legs that, um, that you know, maybe 65 is the absolute ceiling we'll see from him from now on. Yeah, listen, I think I wrote this in my front row um, forward preview, but last year was a disappointing year for Burgess, and I think everyone will admit that, yet he still averaged 65. And if you look at um, you know the depth in the front row forwards, particularly with the lack of dual positions, if you've got a guy that you can lock in 65 points per week um, in your front row, I mean, you're, you're just taking that, aren't you? Particularly at 570K. I mean, the only other guy at all that I can see doing that is a Fafita and... And historically, Fafita started off slower than what he's produced later on. But, you know, he still starts with an average over 60. I think he averaged 61 points per game rounds 1 to 10 last year. And, you know, with who else we've got to pick from, with the likes of a Gallon and a Brown and a Merrin all being only in the second row, I mean, you just lock that in too. So both of those, uh, I, I couldn't dispute either selections. Um, is there anyone else that we're not looking at from a front row perspective, guys? And, Nick, maybe I'll ask you. Um, on that second bracket, who you think could get up to over the 60 and, and you know, actually become a, a legitimate gun in the front row? Look, I don't really think so, to be honest. I've, I've taken quite a um, hard look at front row because it, it is very difficult, like we've all been saying. You know, below Fafita and Burgess, you've got Woods, McGraw, Woods McGuire, Ryan James. Like, none of them jumps out to me. And then the next three blokes, Hess, Tolman and Eisenhuth, are all on the bench. Then you go to JWH, Fanukan, Paulo, James Graham, Madalino. Like it's just a wasteland. So I think I think one of either Burgess and Fafita plus three cheapies is the way to go. Yeah, Joe, what about yourself? Well, Nick, I, I think you didn't scroll down far enough, mate, because you've missed the best prop in the game. Uh, no, Jesse I stopped Bromwich. before I got to him on purpose. <laughs> Jesse Bromwich, absolutely, he's got the pedigree, um, oh. you know, to do that. So I know, you know, he could be my, my biggest regret there. But, um, you know, if he starts fast, um, you know, I think he could be anything as well this year. So um, Jesse Bromwich would be the obvious one to really jump. That would be a huge jump. Um, alternatively, you've got to look at, you know, as a bit of a smoky, um, if he gets minutes that Cohen Hess uh, can build on his great year last year. Uh, I think he's only 21. So, you know, he's still well off his peak and improving every year. So um, Hess could be someone to, to make the jump as well. 
the other the other guy that I think and and I, I haven't had him in my side at any stage this season, but the only one there that stands out to me is probably Ben Madalino and how he fits in at the the Tigers because he could be the main man, sixty minute prop and. Has um, his you know when he is given those minutes, he has produced I think around about sixty points per game previously. So he's the only one that the other one. I mean Woods is here and thereabouts. We saw what he did over the the last couple of uh, last you know ten weeks of the season last year. But who knows what's going to happen at the Dogs, as you pointed out numerous times. So it is very tricky, and I'll end up going with um, either Burgess and Fafita or going super cheap. I don't think you can go middle of the ground with front row. So. That's kind of where I'll land. Um, what about so Moses is a new selection for me, guys. I've had Cody Walker the whole time. Um, what are your thoughts there? Nick is the uh, Parramatta is your second side. Yeah, Moses is off. way Moses is way better than Walker. I don't know why you've had Walker in your team this whole preseason, but Moses has more upside <laughs> behind take. a better pack. Definitely love it. Love it. Lock it in. Don't even think about it. Do you want me to, do you want me to hit you with some facts as to why Walker was in my side, or are you all right without the facts? No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I, think we've established, I think we've established Nick's all right without the facts. Um, look, it's a, you know, the three of us uh, play a bit of NFL fantasy, and, and, you know, there's the cliche of the running back who has a big second half of the year, uh, gets overdrafted the year later and is a complete bust and they in the NFL there's a few of them every year and I just think that you know Moses while very impressive in the back half of last year um historically is a, a shockingly inconsistent player um even more than your Latrell Mitchells um I think one year uh, maybe two years ago with the Tigers he had 119 late in the season and then you know convinced a lot of people to bring him in some even captained him and I think he scored two in 80 minutes, uh, which shouldn't even be possible. But, um, yeah, I, I just wonder that the consistency is not there. Um, you know, a short-term purple patch doesn't mean it's going to happen over the, you know, the duration of a season. So um, I would be wait, waiting and seeing on Moses. Um, but that being said, the potential's certainly there. Yeah, potential's there and not much changing. There's nowhere else, no one around that um that price range. The only player that I was looking at slightly would be a Moses and Bob, but he's only available at, at halfback. And, and then you have to go the whole way down to a Connor Watson to, to get someone else in, really. So I've kind of avoided it. Before we end, um, Joe, we kind of glossed over Anthony Milford in your teammate. So we've got a stake bet that says that I think it's what he, I've said under 70, you've said over 70 across the first six weeks. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. And I really like the Broncos' early draw. Admittedly, uh, it's four away and two at home. And, and Milford, while I think it's been a bit overblown uh, last year, he did much better away uh, at home than he has away. Um, I just think he's, again, he's he's a very young guy who's still, you know, some distance away from his peak. So I expect that he'll improve on last year. And, uh, you know, he starts the year as clearly the dominant half. Uh, for the Broncos, um, and I, I just think that there's more to give. His, his potential's limitless, so um, you know he can be absolutely anything on his day. And I think he has eliminated that. Um, you know, speaking of inconsistency at the five eighth position, I, I don't think he has those twenty point games in him that 
you know, two and three years ago, he certainly had the potential to have. So um, he'll be more consistent. His bad games will be average games and his good games will be, you know, triple figures. So, you know, I'm very comfortable with 70 uh, over the f- average over the first six weeks. Mate, I don't know where you're pulling your stats from, but all I can see is that last year he averaged over 80 at Suncorp and then mid-50s away. So... I'm not sure where you're getting it from that he improved last year. I think he actually went worse because prior to that, it was a 70 average split. So, um, no, I can't have him first, I think, two he's placed two week, two games in the first six weeks or something at Suncorp. I'm expecting him to average below 60 and then come round eight, round nine, he's going to be very, very juicy. Well, good luck with that, that mate. I'll, uh, I'll be very happily you know, chewing into a steak by that time. Yeah, well, at least I'll pay up, so we're all good. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that, mate. I, uh, you know, Nick and I don't have too many bets because, you know, what's the point? <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll, get, I'll, get a, I'll get a quarter pound in the patty. That's what I'll get. <laughs> all right. Um, so that's been a uh, – we've hit an hour and ten minutes, guys, so we've really uh, smashed it out tonight. Uh, and we do have to get a post up, which does put our teams in there as they stand. Um, and then we'll kind of, you know, um, we'll see there. I mean, we do have some big news, Nick, that we haven't announced yet, so we might as well do that now. Um, he's back, Wacko. He's, uh, he's back on Friday. That's right. Big man's back. Fox Sports couldn't afford to keep him, so he's come back to our, over to us, and we're paying him in slabs of VB to, um, to post the late mail on the site. Each week, which is awesome. So that'll be up Thursdays uh, for the Thursday night game and then obviously updated Friday morning for the Friday game. We'll have the captains back as per normal and the weather report will be back on Thursday. Afternoons as well, uh, been bucketing down up here in Brisbane for the last week or so. Um, So, yeah, mate, good. Great to have Wacko back on board, isn't it? It is. And, yes, and Nick, you've covered it well there. There's going to be a bit of a pre-lockout um, thing that's happening tomorrow. There'll be obviously the the chat, which is available over the weekend uh, for live scores and, and everything. The next few weeks is going to be massive and we'll have buy, sell, hold um, back next week too. And and Joe's teams or Serge's teams um, each and every Tuesday and then also Wilfred's minutes from the Monday. So um, all the articles that you guys have loved from the past few years are all back and looking forward to a massive season. So with that said, um, I think it's time that we get off the podcast, guys. And I know I need to go and make about another thousand changes to my side. So, have a call then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.